Orchard. Whether this is your first time or whether you've been tracking with us for a while, we are glad you've joined us today. I want to tell you about a, about a decade ago, I was dating a girl and it was getting serious. I mean like, you know, marriage serious. I had been through a lot of experiences in the years prior that were really hurting our relationship and dynamic. You see, I, it got to the point where I didn't know if I could move forward with the relationship simply because of what happened in the past. Something had to change. Either I would be willing to let go of some things or I had to let go of this relationship. Have you ever been right up to the edge of something wonderful? Only to have something terrible take it away? I mean, maybe it was something from your past that came back to haunt you. Maybe it was secret habitual sin that just keeps creeping up. Maybe it was old patterns that seem to always hold you back. There's nothing worse than having the life you've always wanted right there in sight. But held back by your own dysfunction or your ability to commit. Today's message is about this very thing. You see, God's people were on the border of the promised land. They were within sight of it. But before they could cross over into it, something very important had to happen. It's something that we often overlook. And if you're watching or listening today and Christianity or church just never seemed to work out for you, like you tried it, but it wasn't for you. Well, today's message may be the very reason that you left the faith or that you left the church. Or if you never left, maybe it could be the reason that your faith feels so fragile and shallow today. In fact, whether you're a skeptic or whether you're a seasoned veteran, today's message is about something that's overlooked yet carries huge and lasting significance in our spiritual life. Without this that we're gonna talk about today, there is no promised land. Without this, I wouldn't have married that girl and have the life that I want today. So track with me as we look at a word that has the power to transform your relationship with God, your faith, and your life, and sets you up for crossing in to the promised land, the life you've always wanted. Because today we look at moving from the wilderness of the past to the promise of the future. We pick up our series with Joshua replacing Moses as the leader of the children of God. And remember, they were brought out of captivity and they wandered in the wilderness. And now they're, they're going toward the promised land. And Joshua, he's on week one of the new job as leader. And the people of God find themselves camped on the very border of the promised land. Like, they can see it right there over the River Jordan. They can see what they've been waiting for. And soon they'll leave their old life. They've come through captivity. They've, they've wandered. And finally, they get to go into the promised land. But just before they cross, just before they cross the Jordan River, God tells them to stop and do something. It's just one verse in this account. One easy-to-miss verse and one easy-overlooked word in that verse. Just one sentence. If you blink or don't pay attention, you'll read right past it. It's Joshua 3, verse 5. Consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you. And this is the day before they go into the promised land. Consecrate yourselves today, because tomorrow he's going to do amazing things, and you're going to cross over. Now, if you're like me, you are drawn to the, 
the last part of this verse. The Lord's going to do amazing things in and through you. I want to hear that. As a pastor, as a person, I pray this. I want to see God do amazing miracles in our midst. I want to see healings, physical, mental, emotional, spiritual. I want to see relationships reconciled. I want to see sins forgiven and new destinies created and miraculous signs and wonders. I read this verse and I think, yes, I want to see these amazing things done in my life, in our midst. But I've been feeling God lead me in the last couple of days, to, to zero in this sermon on the first part of this verse, the part that's forgettable, the part that we don't get excited about. And if we're honest, if we can just be honest, it's the part we probably don't even understand. Like we like the part about amazing things happening, but this first part is just kind of a mystery. It says, consecrate yourselves. Oh, great. I mean, whew. Give me some of that consecration. What is it? What is consecration? Well, what does it mean to consecrate yourself? I mean, if God right now spoke to you audibly and said, consecrate yourself, what would you get up and do? Really? Like, what would you do? Consecration sounds like secretion and concentration got in a relationship. And, and somehow through this, on the other side, God's going to do amazing things. I don't get it. We don't get this. Consecrate yourselves because the, tomorrow the Lord's going to do amazing things. What does it mean to consecrate? The final thing Joshua and God's people are told to do before they enter the promised land is consecrate themselves. I wonder if they just stood there looking at each other like they walk out of their tent and go, all right, neighbor, you go first, start consecrating. Like just hoping somebody would show them what it looks like and what it means. Many years later, the, the poet Robert Van Winkle would write a sonnet about this. He would say, stop, consecrate and listen. I mean, what is God talking about here in Joshua 3 verse 5? What does it mean to consecrate? I'm glad you're pining over these kind of questions because this is the kind of information I'm ready to give you. Before the promised land, on the border, the day before, God says, consecrate yourselves. And now this next part might seem like a, a, a word study, but I want you to know that, that consecrate may be the very element missing from your spiritual life. I mean, look where God positioned this word in the story. First, consecrate yourself. Then, I'm going to do amazing things in your life. Listen, we all want amazing things. We all want to see God do miracles. We all pray for God to do all this stuff. So perhaps we should pause and look at what he asks us to do before that. Consecrate yourselves. The word consecrate has Latin roots, and by combining the words con and sacrare, you get this word that means to devote yourself to or to make yourself sacred. The Hebrew word here that Joshua uses is, is kadash, and it also means to, to devote oneself, but it has so many layers below that. In fact, consecrate is used over 200 times in the Bible. God is continually telling his people, consecrate yourselves, consecrate yourselves. How did we miss this? For you listening today, this is something God invites you into that will radically change your spiritual life.
this may very well be the seismic spiritual shift that you've been hoping for and needing in your life. Think of how important this is. People don't just cross into the promised land until they've first stopped and camped and consecrated themselves. You don't get to step into the destination of your destiny until you've, you've consecrated. God has something big for the, the children of God here in this story in their future. And he has something big for you in your future. But he calls them and he calls us to something bold in the present first. So often we long for those future amazing things that we miss this present moment, this present calling. Consecrate yourselves. The Lord wants to do amazing things among you. Uh, man, we want that second half of that verse, but let's follow and see what God has for us on the first part. Because the word consecrate, it means to set yourself aside as something sacred for God. It, consecration means to, to separate yourself from the things that don't please God. Consecrate means to devote yourself fully to following God. Catch this. Before God led them into a new season, he wanted to consecrate the old season out of them. It's hard to thrive in a new season while you're still living in old sin. And before God would let them cross into the promised land, he wanted to purify their sinful hearts. And for us, I mean, God has a new season for you ahead. On the, on the other side of all this, there's a new normal, a new season he has for you. But he wants you to pause and consecrate and leave your old sin behind. You know, we have a holy promise ahead, but we need to leave our sin problem behind. To consecrate something also means to devote it to God. To devote yourself to God. This is something that's a challenge for us to consider. I mean, you might say that you believe in Jesus. Or, yeah, I believe in God. But are you actually following him? Truly. Are you devoted to him? Have you consecrated your life, devoted it to following him and his ways, and separated yourself from the things that don't please him? The truth is, if we're not purposely following God, you need to look up and see who we're following because you might be surprised who or what you're actually following. Most often in life, without intentionally staying on God's path, intentionally, we get off of it. And the result is, is two options. The first option is we coast. And that's just a lack of pursuit. Coast is spiritual apathy. Or we drift. And that's moral apathy. If we're coasting, Man, we've stopped pursuing. And which way do you always coast? You always coast downhill. You never coast up into something new. You see, we want to follow Jesus into higher levels of maturity and faith. But without consecration, without devoting ourselves to that pursuit, we will coast downhill into spiritual immaturity and we'll find ourselves with weaker faith. Drifting. I mean, you're still pursuing, but we find we're pursuing the wrong things in life. And consecration is seeing that you followed something else and it's readjusting yourself and readjusting your life away from the drift and back to God. 
Consecration has so much to do with being devoted to following God fully. Jesus talks about this in Mark 1, 17 through 18. He says this, Jesus says, come and follow me. I'll make you fishers of men. And then it says, at once they dropped their nets and they followed him. Jesus calls these disciples, these young men, to a promised land, a promised life, a new way of living. He says, come follow me. And the first thing they do, what do they do? It says that at once they dropped their nets and then they followed him. They were fishermen. These nets that they dropped, that's their old life. They had to leave their old ways behind to follow Jesus in a new way ahead. They had to drop their next to, nets to follow what's next. Can you imagine this same scene if it hadn't gone that way? Let me, let me just paint you a picture. I mean, Jesus is there on the, the sun shining down on, and, and, and he's teaching and working miracles. People are getting healed and, and, and the words he speaks are just transformative. People are changing. And he turns to this young man and he says, you, come follow me. And this young fisherman who's enmeshed in his old way of living. I mean, he's sitting here holding this fishing net because he's a fisherman in a boat. And this isn't a fishing net like we have on the fly, you know, fly fishing. Not a one-handed one. This is a huge net they would throw out and it would cover a long area, a large area. This young man, his life is a fisherman. He's dressed for the job. He's, he's tired in this job. He's covered in this job. He, he smells like this job. I mean, he's a fisherman and Jesus looks him in the eye and says, you... Come follow me. And his slack jaw turns to a grin. He can't believe that the Savior is calling him to salvation. He looks around at his condition, standing in a boat, holding a grimy, slimy, smelly fishing net, covered in scales and muck. But he has a new life ahead. He can't wait. He says, yes, Jesus, I'm with you. I'm ready for the promised life and promised land. I'm ready for the destiny you have for me. I'm going to follow you. He steps out of that boat confidently, joyously, just leaving that boat behind, and he starts to follow Jesus. It's one problem. He doesn't drop his nets. He doesn't let go. He doesn't consecrate. He doesn't leave behind and fully devote to going forward. He starts to follow Jesus and behind him is this huge fishing net just dragging in the dirt and, and, the, and the road, catching on things. It gets heavier and heavier because, well, sin never leaves me with less baggage. Sin always gives me more baggage. The nets of my old life and sin, as I drag them, they just collect baggage and wounds and hurts, and they hurt those I love. They collect more bad habits and stronger vices. He's trying to follow Jesus, but he gets tired. He thinks, this following Jesus is harder than I thought. His nets get caught up in things, and he has to strain and pull them out. And soon, the, that joy he had at first, like that was so fun following Jesus. But now it's just a grimace. He thinks to himself, this is not what I thought it would be. I was promised a new life. I was promised peace and, and power and presence and all I'm doing is feeling miserable. He, smelled as, as, he smells as bad as he did before. I mean, he's more tired than he was. There's, there's no joy of the Lord. He's just, it's just more of a job than a joy at this point. 
And just finally, he stops, net in hand, looking down the promised path that Jesus asked him to walk. This is not what I signed up for. This whole Christianity thing, this is a joke. And he heads back to his boat, nets still in hand, and returns to his old way of living. And when someone at some point crosses his path and mentions Jesus or the church or Christianity, he, he smirks and says, ha, I mean, you know, I tried that once. I was raised in that once. It's not what you think. It's just religious and it's just exhausting. You know, what about you? You may have tried this God thing before. You, you may have been raised in it. You may have given yourself to it after some sermon or event or maybe a crisis, but you found it cumbersome and tiresome, and it wasn't at all what you thought it would be like. Others may have smiled, and they seemed to have it all together, but for you, oh, it was more struggle than anything else. It wasn't supernatural. It was super miserable. And if that was you, at that time, you could have looked down, and your hands would have been tightly gripped around a net of your old life. Very well could have been, as you tried to follow Jesus on a new path, you were holding your old life. You see, without consecration, we continue to hold the things that God asks us to separate from. You may have tried Jesus, but it just wasn't what you thought. You tried it, it wasn't what they said. And the whole time you're trying it, behind you is this old life that you're just dragging with you. We can't follow Jesus in a new way today with the old life of yesterday still holding us back. And for any of you watching or listening who've tried to or who are trying to forge a new life with God moving forward while still clinging to old sin and old ways, the Bible speaks to this in Hebrews 12 verse 1. Listen to this. Let us throw off. Let us put down anything and everything that would hold us back. And any sin that so easily entangles us and trips us up. You see, you can't follow Jesus into the promised life while still hung, holding on to your old sinful nets and selfish habits. And Joshua and the people of God, they couldn't cross over into that promised land while still hanging on to their old life either. In Joshua 3, 5, God tells them to, to consecrate themselves, to, to pause before they cross over, to separate from their sin, to fully devote themselves to God. And then God led them across. And the disciples who Jesus called, they had to consecrate themselves and, and drop their old nets, drop their old life before following Jesus on the promised path. And you and me, it's a good time to pause and take a look at our lives because many of us need to stop and go back and consecrate. God's going to do, and God is doing amazing things, but we need to, to go to the first part of this verse and, and consecrate ourselves from those habitual and those secret sins that we continue to take with us. Now about these sins, listen, they're not going to keep God from loving you. They're not going to keep God from forgiving you but they will entangle you. They will weigh you down. And you were not meant to go in the promised land or the promised life, still holding those, those smelly, heavy nets of your old way. 
For us, like Joshua, before we move forward, we need to pause. Consecrate and ask, what nets am I still carrying? What sins am I carrying along on this journey that God has asked me to separate from? What old life do I just refuse to lay down? It's never helped me. It's only hurt me, but I won't let it down. Maybe it's time to drop some old habits, some secret sins and some habitual vices. Now's a good time as we've been talking about wilderness and, and this new season that's next. We don't know what the next is, but, but right now, while we've been sheltering and some of us are reopening and all these things, we, we've seen our old nets on display, many of us. It's a good time for consecration. Perhaps you did lay them down. Perhaps you did lay your nets down at one point. But at some point later, you went back and, and picked them back up. The good news is, is that, that Jesus loves you. He forgives you. He's gracious. And it doesn't matter if you picked them up an hour ago or 20 years ago. He loves you. And he still offers freedom for you. The Bible says this. It says there is zero, zero condemnation for those in, or in Jesus or from Jesus if you're returning to him. There's zero condemnation if you come to Jesus. So if you look down and you see these nets in your hand of your old life or, or secret sin or habitual patterns, you ask his forgiveness, you drop them, you confess it, and you move forward. There's no need to punish yourself. There's no need to pay penance. In fact, Jesus paid it all. Jesus paid all the penance on the cross. There's nothing left for you to pay. Joshua and God's people were at the border of the promised land. But before they could enter, God wanted them to take care of some things first. Consecrate yourselves, for the Lord is going to do amazing things in your life. Consecrate. Devote yourself fully to God. Pursue Him. Don't coast. Don't drift. Pursue God with all you are, all your heart. And consecrate yourself. Separate yourself from your old sin. Drop your nets. Drop your old life. Put those secret and habitual sins behind you because the Lord is going to do amazing things in you and through you. The reality is your relationship with God won't move forward until this vital step. I mean, I mentioned at the beginning how Amy and I were dating with the intent to marry, but I had gone through that very painful and breaking season previous to meeting her. I was wounded so deeply by someone I trusted and it had, I had gathered baggage that I had never carried before. And my wife, Amy, she's, she's the strongest and most loving woman I've ever met. And I'll never forget one day she said to me, just so courageously and so compassionately, she said, I feel like it's not just you and me in this relationship. And I was shocked and I immediately got defensive. I was like, I'm not cheating. There's no one else. What are you talking about? And she said, I know. I know you're not but you're still carrying around the past distrust in our present. You're bringing your old hurt into our new hope. And if you want this relationship to move forward, well, you've got to decide to leave that behind. Because there's not enough room in this relationship for me and your past. You see, for our relationship to move forward, I had to drop some old ways, some old resentments, and some experiences that entangled me. And you today, 
What would God say to you? He would say this. God would say, I, I love you. There is nothing you've done that can separate you from my love. And you need to hear this again. God would say, there is nothing you have done that has separated you from my love. But if we're going to move forward, you need to leave some old ways behind. There's not enough room in your heart for you to fully love and follow me and hold on to those things that just continue to hurt you and hold you back. This is the heart of consecration. Letting go of what holds you back so you can love and pursue God in a new way moving forward. Consecrate yourselves. For the Lord wants to do amazing things in you and through you. It's amazing because the wilderness, it prepares you for the promised land. And consecration positions you to move into the promised land. And here's the challenge for you today. What do you need to lay down so that you can move forward? Like, like what's always held you back? And you know what it is. What do you need to drop? What are you carrying into your relationship with God that you need to separate from so you can fully move forward with Him? We have some practical help for this because I know that these are unique issues and for every one person watching, you have your own unique experiences and wounds and vices and secrets that the person next to you does not have. So what do you need? What do you need to move practically past this? You know, here at the Orchard, we understand that we're all unique and so we offer free counseling for these very things. If you need spiritual wisdom and guidance to, to drop your nets, to consecrate and move forward, we want to talk to you about that. You can message us on Facebook or YouTube or you can go to our church website at theorchardlife.com. For others of you, we started a new ministry, a new ministry called Celebrate Recovery, which helps people who are stuck in vice and addiction, any addiction, we also offer prayer, authentic community, and we, we offer acceptance for all people. I mean, as a church, we say, our vision is this, love God and love people. No asterisk. No asterisk for any people. We love all people. And no asterisk on loving God. We follow Him with, with all that we are. So, we all come from hardships. We all come from hurts. But we want to be a resource for your journey. So whatever you would need, whether it's counseling or authentic, authentic groups, small groups, prayer, celebrate recovery, whatever it would be, you can go to theorchardlife.com and we'd love to hear more from you and, 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 and walk with you through this. Listen, the Wilderness and Promised Land series has been almost two months long. I mean, the Bible, it took 40 years, but, but we've done it in two months. It's pretty good, right? And, and next week, I don't want you to miss because we are going to cross the Jordan and enter into the promised land. And it's going to be an amazing and challenging sermon as we look at what does it mean to have bold faith? And what does it mean to live in true gratitude? So don't miss next week. Orchard and those of you joining with us, I love you. I'm praying for you. And as always, love God and love people. I'll see you.